Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Gang Grow Retain podcast. And today I've got with me a very special uh, uh, guest and, and very good friend of mine, Nils Vinya. So what's up, Nils? Good to see hey, you. Hey, Jay. Hey, great to see you, too. Thank you so much for having me back on the GGR podcast, man. It's been a while. It has been a while, while. hasn't it? So I'm glad to be back. Looking forward to our chat today and can't wait, man. Yeah. Fresh off vacation. So tell everybody where you were. Yeah, I took a well, well-deserved uh, trip to Hawaii, uh, celebrating my wife and I's 20th wedding anniversary. And when you look back over 20 years, got three kids, uh, two dogs, a guinea pig, moved about <laughs> 15 times, have lived in five different cities, have had 18 different jobs. Who knows? Right. It's just it's amazing. It's always fun to have those milestone markers and just look yeah. back and just see how far, you know, things have you've come and how how big things. I mean, back when we got married, I mean, the world of customer success didn't even exist. It wasn't even a figment of nope. even Salesforce's imagination. It yeah. was it was a long time ago. You probably barely texted your wife. Uh, at all. That, yeah, that's even questionable. That that we did. No, I don't think I mean. I only had my first really dating my first cell phone, like a couple of years before that. And it was a pretty base level, you know, flip phone. Yeah. It wasn't quite the flip phone, but it was the, that Nokia one that just had a, you know, a, inch and a half screen. <laughs> my daughter, my daughter who's 15 now still laughs hysterically at the fact that you used to have to text via hitting the number one three times. Three times. C. Yeah, that's right. And she that's thinks right. It's the funniest thing in the world that there was no Wi-Fi when we grew up either. And so we have fun with this in our family and, and it's a good thing she's alive when she is. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's a good thing we're alive when we are. Cause we now are reaping the benefits of all the things we didn't have as kids. <laughs> and I mean, I, I am, I will say, I am glad that there were no cell phones and there was no social media when we were in college. Like that, that one, Oh my God. Screwed it on the radar there. Oh yeah. Do that. I'm, I'm not sad about that. <laughs> I do worry about, I do worry for my kids that they are going to yeah. codify the college stupidity <laughs> on the internet, well, that, which is exactly what I would have done. Had yeah. there been the internet. And, well, and that's why we, the, the, the refrain that we always say is <laughs> nothing is ever gone. There you <laughs> as go. soon as it exists yeah. one place on the internet or on social, it will never disappear. Even if you delete it, it that's it right. Never, yeah. ever, ever gone. Nothing. No ever such thing. Right? Yep. Ask yeah. Elon Musk. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, all right. Well, that, that's good. And well, congratulations on your 20th. That's a huge milestone. Many people don't make it past five. That's yeah. the big, that big one. Right. So uh, yeah. um, admire you and your wife. My wife and I are about to celebrate 19. Also <sighs> three close. Yep. Um, not as many moves and as many jobs as you, but you know, plenty, <laughs> plenty of other stuff. Um, interesting story. You talked about, did you say guinea pig earlier? Yeah. yeah. We got a guinea pig. When we got back for vacation, we were also on vacation last week. When we got back this week, uh, sorry, Saturday, we came back to an empty hamster cage. The hamster Uh-oh. had figured out <laughs> oh, no. how to lift the top up and escape. And so the hamster has been gone all week. Last night, my son woke my wife up in the middle of the night and said, Hey, look what I found. And he had the hamster in his hand no way. four days later. And the ham- the hamster had gone from my daughter's room into his room, into his bed. It was like rummaging around in his bed near his pillow. And I was like, I'm glad he Looking found food. It. Yeah, I guess it's been days. If I had if I had had that happen to me in the middle of the night, I probably would have accidentally hurt the yeah. hamster. Right? Yeah, so, or at least had a heart attack. <laughs> yeah. anyway, 
that, that's that's my icebreaker oh, that's story there. That's a good one, it's... man. Hey, you never underestimate the power of an animal to go out and do something when nobody's around watching. Like lift yeah. up the entry to the kit. Like what, where do they get big. this? Yeah, yeah, it's tiny. It's tiny. <laughs> so, all right. Well, we didn't come here to talk about weddings or Hawaii or vacations or hamsters and guinea pigs. Although it is um, entertaining. Although it is highly entertaining and, um, you know, marriage is great. Um, so uh, Niels and I were having a conversation a couple of weeks ago when we began to talk about just the whole, you know, sort of the state of customer success in the world. Um, you know, I think, you know, I write a lot, Nils, about, you know, the role of a customer success manager relative to other things in the organization. I think there's been this long uh, there's sort of long since been a dichotomy of customer success as an operating model mm -hmm. in which whatever team you're in, there's an element of customer success that you're responsible for, whether yep. it's product engineering, HR, uh, sales, marketing, customer success, so on and so forth versus a role called customer success manager. And you know what I've increasingly seen is that the role of a customer success manager has been overloaded. It's, it's different from company to company. Mm -hmm. And so, and it causes a lot of confusion in companies that feel like, oh man, we're a SaaS company. We've got to have this thing called customer success. Yep. We need to go create a role. And, and when they do, they introduce that role. And then all of a sudden, account managers aren't really sure what their job is relative to that. The implementation, maybe the services team are confused. Support team is like, oh, great. We got somebody that can handle all the escalations. The finance team is like, good. We, somebody didn't pay their bill. The CSM oh, chase go, the bill. Chase it down. <laughs> like the CSM sort of gets pigeonholed into all of this, um, yeah. you know, lowest common denominator work. And, yep. and I don't think it's a good thing. I, I don't think it's a good thing for our industry uh, when that happens. So we were having a conversation about that and, you know, you have an interesting talk coming up. I think that, that we could reference and talk about a little bit as well in that vein, but I don't know, what are your, what are your thoughts on this whole phenomenon? Am I off base? Are you seeing it too? Cause I know you still do oh, a yeah. lot of customer success it's work. So hundred percent on track. I mean, I, I do see the same thing have ever since, you know, the beginnings of our industry. And the challenging part is that by now, I mean, we're in 2022, this is, you know, 10, 15 years past when it initially started in Salesforce land and came out and then started in San Francisco and went out from there. I would have thought we'd be a lot further along by now, to be completely honest. Um, and change takes time. And that has been a great yeah. learning for me is that industries do not change fast, even when they are relatively new. So, you know, my talk uh, coming up is called how to communicate your value as a CS leader. And the premise is to help CS leaders with exactly what you were just describing, which is preventing their organization and their department and their role from being a dumping ground for everything everybody else does not want to do because it doesn't perfectly fit in their box. So it must fit in CS box. And the interesting thing when you look at this is that everybody knows what sales does. Yep. Everybody knows what marketing does. Everybody knows what engineering does. Everybody knows what product does. Everybody knows what support does. Nobody really knows still what CS does. And it is a big problem. And there is no one, you know, universal thing that's going to come out and be perfect and take care of this for every CS leader out there. It is up to the individual CS leaders to define what it is that they do and the value they deliver and how they and their team are contributing more value to the company than they did before they existed. 
And that is a challenge because everybody has these preconceived notions, most of which you just shared right in the intro there, right? Yeah. Oh, support says, well, you handle escalations. Great. That's yours now. <laughs> they wanted to get out of that so fast. Billing, they hate chasing down payments, but they love telling you, you got to go get some money, right? <laughs> and it's, it's, it's the ultimate dumping ground if there is no definition around this. And that is a huge leadership quality and capability and something that you absolutely 100% have to do regardless of how you know, perfect on the outside, it looks and the inside, it's usually a much bigger mess. Yeah. And, and I think there's a, there's an element of it, which is highly dependent on the stage the company is in, right? There, there's a different set of answers. If you're a startup with 50 people versus a mature company with 5,000 people, yep. uh, whether you're selling yeah. to enterprise organizations or smaller yes. businesses or both, and you have two different segments of business, um, it can get really, really confusing. So when you, not to give away too much of what you're, what you're prepping for in your talk, but mm-hmm. when you think about communicating the value of customer success, what is it that you typically recommend that leaders do to define that first and then to communicate it second? Yeah, I'll give it one single most important starting point is based on the premise of what I just shared. Nobody knows what you do. And what you have to do as a leader, and this is you know particularly appropriate for CS, but this also applies across all leadership period. Yeah. Is you have to recognize and appreciate and accept what's called the crisis of context. And what that means is that mm. we assume naturally just as humans that everybody else knows what we know because we're so familiar with it. So if you spend all of your time in the wonderful world of CS with your team and your organization, and then you go try to talk to your sales counterpart, but you talk to them in a way just like you talk to your CS team, they will have absolutely zero idea of what it is that you do. What are you talking about? Right. And it will go right over their head. Same thing with marketing, your CEO, your CFO. It doesn't matter. Anybody outside of your immediate team knows nothing about what you do. Even if you think they know what you do, they don't. And so as a leader, we have to go back to that base level of accepting that nobody else knows what we do. And in order for me to communicate my value, I have to find a way to meet the audience, whoever that is, other sales leader, CEO, CFO, whatever, where they are with respect to what they know about me and my organization, which most times is virtually nothing, right? And so that is at the core of this talk. And that's at the core of some of the the strategies and things that I'm going to share. But the premise is all built around the fact that nobody knows what you do. And if you accept that as truth, then you're going to communicate in a much different way when you go to have that conversation and share all the great things that you and your CS team are doing. Because I know they're valuable. I know they're awesome. I know they're wonderful. And I know they benefit the organization. But if you can't communicate that value in a way that other people can understand, it's like you didn't communicate it at all. Yep. So in your ideal definition of customer success management, because you've been around the block mm-hmm. for a long time on this. Yep. What What is the ideal work that a customer success mm-hmm. manager does that is different? And here's my thesis, Nils. Okay. A CSM, should the, the role, any, any role, let, let me take CSM off the table for a minute. Okay. Any role in the organization to have a definition for that role yep. should be 80% different than every other role in the organization. Okay. If you, if you want it to be a standalone role yeah. with its own title. So yeah. 
by extension, customer success manager has to be at least 80% different than account management, renewal management, support, implementation, and onboarding. Yep. It's got to be unique. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that's my that's just my framework in my head. So yep. put some meat behind that for me. Like, what is it that a customer success manager should be spending most of their time on? And then we can talk about how many you need to do that. Okay. All right. So CSM, in my opinion, um, at the core, their job is to do everything possible to ensure that customers renew and expand. Now, I left that deliberately a little bit vague because then somebody's inevitably going to say, well, who owns the renewal and who owns the upsell? (laughs) And the fact is, I don't really care, right? What I want, though, is clarity in role of all the pieces of the puzzle that are going to go into a customer renewing and expanding. So when you get to that that 80% rule, like you were just saying, implementation has a very defined or onboarding, whatever you call it, and whichever flavor you like, has a very defined scope of work, right? Their job is to get customers to this point by this point in time with these capabilities. Cool. Okay. CSM is to do everything possible to make sure that renewals and expansions are a non-issue and happen, right? So they're the core centerpiece of the entire experience post that initial implementation. Now, if we bring in an account management function or some other commercial um you know, capability from another skill set or another team, right? They have a very specific role. They might be responsible for the actual execution of commercial terms. However, it was the CSM who was responsible for ensuring that that renewal was a non-issue. Our job is to make sure it's easy for other people to do their job and to identify potential opportunities for expansion. So I see the CSM as having that um, level of of ownership over that whole middle piece. And again, I'm probably talking more about the medium and higher touch accounts. It's a little yeah. different in the lower touch, but let's just stay with when a dedic- when a CSM is going to be dedicated account, like that's the threshold, right? Which probably ends up in the neighborhood of, I don't know, 25, 30, $40,000 a year on up to several hundred thousand. Yep. Um, they're responsible for virtually most of that experience that the customer has. And their job is to ensure that they renew and expand. And they also are in the service of that expansion are identifying opportunities, even if they're not the necessarily the ones to close the business. They're the closest, they're the advisors, they're going to know where the opportunities live and they're going to bring in other people and resources that the company has at its disposal to make sure the customer ultimately gets more and more value from that. That's a really wide definition, Nils. It is. Right. And, yeah. and I think that that therein lies sort of the the challenge because if you don't have a well-formed support let's just call it support escalation program right that your support team handles with your engineering team and your product team then it's going to fall onto the csm if you um, well, well-formed, yeah, well-formed is one thing. So let's, let's take a look at, yes, it will fall onto the CSM, but why Jay would it fall onto the CSM in that case? Well, it would fall into the CSM in that case because they are the last line of defense that you have for the customer experience to your point. Sure. But I would posit right? that that is probably more a failure on the leadership side. Oh, a hundred percent to establish, right? So 100%, it's not the CSM's job. They, right. they don't have enough power to go define that. Exactly. So the the relationship of, or for CSMs to not be a dumping ground, 
requires a CS leader to yep. have defined and scoped and agreed upon engagement points and all the good stuff to do the blocking and tackling so that the team does not have to end up as a, you know, dumping ground. So let's take it one step further. Let's assume for a minute that this thing called customer success was never invented. Yep. Who then would it be that would define and lead us to a solution to that problem? Because that problem would exist. Yeah. Either way, there just wouldn't be a stopgap in the CSM team. So whose job is it in that scenario (laughs) to define this? If we look back to where the world was before the SaaS model, right? We had the enterprise model. And in the enterprise model, the goal was the, the entire, the market, the industry, everybody, the entire value of a company was based on net new revenue every quarter. That's it. When you went public, 100%. you didn't hit yep. your quarterly bookings number, top line, you lost. That was sales. That was revenue. That was it. That was it, it wasn't and just a booking. It was actually revenue. Exactly. Yeah. And so the beauty of that model was that the company, the vendor, the software provider got 95-ish percent of that customer's lifetime value on day one, right? As soon as they signed the contract, they forked over, you know, 500,000, a million, 3 million, 5 million, and we're locked in for a long period of time five, three, five, seven years, because these software applications at the time were so big and required so much extra effort, right? So then the companies only supported customers in one of two ways. Number one, there was a support line, right? Which you have problems, contact support, pretty standard. That was where the support model even originated. Number two was consulting services. And if the company, if the customer had any issues, they had to buy consulting. It was a foregone conclusion. And then they also had to pay the 20% maintenance every year to get updates and and to get access to support and to get access to support. Right. So in that instance, if, if we look, you know, that was prior to customer success being there as prior to a SaaS model, prior to recurring revenue, but they were still a customer paying millions of dollars sometimes. And it was nobody's responsibility. Occasionally there would be an account manager and the primary job of that account manager was to sell more services. So if the customer had a problem, the response was, here's the services package to scope for us to scope yeah. and go and deliver, right? So I don't think it was, it technically wasn't anybody's problem unless it got to a huge threshold, which maybe the sales rep might be brought in at some point. Other than that, it was probably a services issue and just dealt with on a time and materials basis basis for somebody to get an issue resolved. So, so I was thinking of it as not a problem on an account by account basis, mm-hmm. but as a problem, like almost a job to be done for the customer. Okay. Right. Yep. yep. By the company, we have to provide support. I was with a company for nine, almost nine years that, you know, largely was perpetual software yes. and services, mm-hmm. um, perpetual you know, for, for those listening, human have been in that world is what Neil's just described upfront. You buy the software, yep. you basically own a license to it. Yep. <laughs> it's like buying the old school version of TurboTax that you bought. <laughs> this, you know, remember those CDs they used to send out in the mail? Yeah. yeah. So, but, but I worked for a company that was in that model, but we had a great support function. Yeah. Right. And so, because that was the primary way you engaged with the customer. That, that is true. Yeah. But, but somebody was responsible for saying, Hey, we're gonna have a great customer care experience here. Mm. And, and who was that? And that from the top down. Well, it was, I would say it starts with the CEO. 
Okay. It goes to the chief operating officer yep. or whoever, right? It yep. goes to the chief customer officer. It goes to the VP of support. Yep. So, you know, the other thing I think happens a lot in our industry is that the customer success person, because they have that title, director mm-hmm. of customer success, yes. they become responsible for oh, yeah. stitching all these people pieces together in, yeah. in telling people, hey, we're not good enough here yet. We've got to get better in support. We've got to get better in implementation. We've got to get better in billing, whatever it is. Yeah. It's almost like a chief customer officer kind of kind of play. From the bottom up. From yeah. the bottom up. Mm-hmm. And to your point, it takes leadership. You got to know how to have those conversations. You have to have empathy for the jobs that those teams are trying to do yes. and then help them figure out how to become customer centric in right. addition to what they do. Right. So I guess my my point in asking you that question is. Like if we didn't have anybody to be this stopgap, like mm-hmm. how would we go solve the problems? We'd have mm. a great support team led yep. by a great support leader. We'd have yes. a great onboarding program. Yep. Um, we'd have a product that was very intuitive and was built with users in mind every single day, right? Yep. And yep. Um, easy to manipulate, easy to deploy. Those things aren't always true, right? But have we swung the pendulum too far mm. in having to have a team called customer success to fill all those gaps as opposed to building and designing a customer experience that hangs together and works across the business? That is an excellent point. That's an excellent point. And I think it comes back to what you were talking about before, which is the stage of your company and the maturity of your product yes. and the maturity of your industry and the complexity of your product is going to play a huge part in this, right? And not to mention the culture, as you said. There are some companies who you know, pay lip service to the fact that customers are important. Yeah, they're our most important thing. And the reality is that's not the case. And yeah. that's just part of the culture. It's where it came from. I've consulted with countless companies that are sales-driven environments, even though they are born in SaaS, had a recurring recurring revenue business model from the beginning. And the CEO has point blank told me, this is a sales-focused company. Well, I said, great. Then I told, I went, I literally went and had a meeting with the entire 30 person plus CS team and said, guys, like nothing's going to change in the near future because your CEO and your leadership is saying, this is a sales driven company and whatever sales wants and needs and desires and whatnot is what's going to happen. So stop getting frustrated, accept that as the reality and now figure out how to do your job inside of that environment. Yep. That's a fun exercise, right? <laughs> so I, th- I think that there that's part of it. And in CS, we are the lucky recipients of being in positions like this, right? Where we do not control as much as we would love to believe that panacea that you just described exists. It's not going to, and it's okay, right? It's okay that our customers, our companies are not 100% customer centric. It's okay that we still close deals that are full of holes and shouldn't have been closed anyways. It's okay because that's how the company got to where it is today. Now, can it evolve over time? Sure. Is it going to evolve in the next 12 months? Yeah, probably not. Is it your job to, you know, single-handedly turn an entire company culture around? Not going to happen, right? Except that the reality that you operate within and then find out how to deliver more of the thing the company wants more than anything, which in a sales-driven environment is more sales. So if I was a CS leader nowadays, inside of a sales-focused company, 
you better believe I would be thinking all the time in every presentation, every time I talked to anybody else in the company was how I contributed to sets for the simple fact that that's what the company values more than anything else. Now I can do that in a million different ways from a CS perspective, but what they understand, what my CEO would need, what my CFO wants to hear, what my VP of sales wants more than anything is sales. So that's a yep. reality. I can't go in there and say, no, no, you can't think about sales. You need to think about the customer. They're going to laugh me out of the room and probably yeah, fire yeah. me within a short period of time. Yeah. 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 Well, I think you see this, right? You see relatively short tenures for yes. customer success leaders. And I think, you know, yeah. we talk about this stuff idealistically yes. as if there is a panacea that exists for being customer centric. I don't think you can be customer centric or sales centric or community centric or my, like, you have to be all those things. That's the definition. Like SaaS is a multiplayer, multi, like a team sport. Well, one right? will one will usually be more dominant than the other. And it usually comes yeah. from the culture and the founders in the early days. And the fundraising the strategy. The fund Funder, yeah. Strategy, who the backers right? are. If you're PE versus venture backed, it's a completely different environment. Yeah. Right. Versus bootstrapped or, you know, yeah. maybe public. It's a, you're playing a completely different game. Yeah. The goal in every single one of those, put yourself in the CEO's position. They have to deliver more value to their shareholders, period. That's it. That's their job. And that looks different depending on where the company is, how it's funded, who the investors are, what the expectations are and turnaround, where the market is. And as a CS leader, you got to deliver more value for your company too. And you got to figure out how to do that in the construct of what the company does value already. Yeah. And absolutely. No doubt. And I think this is a place where customer success people are actually well suited to make an impact because yes. customer yes. success people are highly, usually are highly empathetic, right? Oh, absolutely. Or highly empathetic to the customer. But I think maybe the, the thing that you're saying here and what I would encourage people to think about as we talk about this is how can you be empathetic to your teammates in other departments, right? right. Yes, we want them to be empathetic to us too, but you got to start, right? That's leadership. That's so like, okay, the sales team, they, they are under a lot of pressure to close business and hit their number, right? Yep. Yep. The, the marketing team is under a lot of pressure to go create demand and drive inbound into that sales process. So uh, under, I actually put a post out on this earlier this morning, actually. And I said, you know, if you want to learn more about customer success, don't read another customer success book. I love I, all I, of them. I love that post. I, yeah, it was perfect. I, I, I love, yeah. you know, Wayne's book and I love, yep. you know, the Nick, Nick Meta's books and yep. all these books and, you know, practical uh, CSM, all these books are great. But at the end of the day, go read about other departments in the business. Yep. How does finance work? How do they think about contracts? Um, how does sales work? What are the comp plans look like? Like, what are we fighting against here? Usually it's more internal than mm -hmm. it is external. Yeah. And um, just by having a little bit more empathy for what your peers are going through across the organization, not your peers within your team, but your peers across the organization, what they're trying to get done, then you're in a better position to influence how they do their work once That's you right. actually understand it. Most of my, my, I've been championing that same thought for a long time. And people ask me, what do you, what do you read? And I'm like, non-customer related stuff is fascinating. The entire world of marketing um, is probably one of my latest and greatest, just ultimate endless yeah. fascination. And when you think about the work we have to do as customer success professionals, we 
have to do things across all the spectrum of skills of all the other departments. We have to do have marketing skills. We've got to have sales skills. We need to have finance skills. We need to have support skills. We need to have leadership skills. And that was why I originally felt like customer success was the perfect place for me was because I had little bits of exposure to those different um, different disciplines through all the varying random jobs that I had before I got into my first job as a CSM, right? And all, all of a sudden, then I could use all those skills to come together to serve the needs of a client. So unlike, you know, everybody knows what sales does. Well, yeah, because it's all built around one thing, selling the customer, but in customer success, you have to sell, but you have to market, but you have to get people to pay attention to you. You got to throw a hook out there that people will respond to when they ghost you. You got to be willing to, you know, add enough value that they want to spend time with you. And that's some of the most fun and inspiring things to, to learn and experiment with is stuff that works in other industries that has nothing to do with customer success, but is about getting people's attention and yeah. delivering value to them. Yep. Love it. Love it. I, I, um, sales is a very hard job. There's no job in SAS that's easy. I'll say that. Yeah. Period. Period. That being said, I do think customer success is a very, very hard job, maybe more difficult than the rest because it's not one thing, right? It's not the bookings target. It's not the, you know, the inbound lead. It's, it's a whole host of things that could go that, that that could impact your relationship with the customer and your in your job is to make sure that you've got a beat on it and there's yeah. a solution for it whether you're providing it or in encouraging someone else to provide it and and that's part of the fun right if, yeah. if cs becomes incredibly monotonous when you follow the same set of steps every time and this happens yep. you know there are some repetitive things we have to do and whatnot but the the brain power that's required to think about a customer, think about everything you know about them, think about your solution, everything you know about it, and then come up with a recommendation or something to bring to them that would help them get more value and move their business forward as a result of using your solution. That's fun. Like that's infinitely yeah. entertaining and is an incredible use of brain power that is cannot be replicated because they're ideas. They're just thoughts. They're just creations, but you got to be willing to spend the time and willing to carve out the time to do that work because that's the valuable stuff. That's what I want CSMs to do more of. That's called, that's called consulting. Yeah. That's, and that's, that's it. It is. is. And if, if you're, if you're chasing around support tickets and that's not it, you cannot do the consulting work that's required as a CSM. I almost think that uh, I was thinking, I'm always thinking about how do you measure CSMs in a more effective way? How many consulting engagements have you done across your customer book? And what was the customer's CSAT rating on those engagements with you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I think those two metrics would be amazing. And then, you know, it's up to the CS leadership. This is where a CCO comes in, right? Along with the rest of an executive team is, what are the things that these teams are doing, which are repetitive and monotonous and not value added relative to the other teams that we need to go solve for from a business process perspective. So if support is not able to get it done effectively enough, then let's go solve that problem so that the CSM team can do more of what we need them to do, which is go consult with the customer. How do you use the product to better meet your needs, get more value out of it so that you will, to your point earlier, renew. 
and buy right. more. That's yeah, that's it. And but that requires the leadership piece, right? That requires 100%. um that visibility and that control and that ability to be able to change change those internal relationships and internal structures and is critical. And that's I think that's incredibly fun as well. Um, you know, it's just it's a blast in my opinion, but it is not necessarily the easiest thing to do, right? It starts with empathy of no. how how the um, other organization, whoever you're working with, is doing their job and understanding what's important to them and aligning with what you want to do. How is it going to help them, right? We, As CS people, we do an incredible job of thinking about our customers and how we can help them. I'd say take the same amount of energy and turn it towards every single one of your counterparts internally and yep. spend the same amount of time building an internal relationship and your network will be vastly different in six months. Yeah. And those relationships will serve you better in your future career as well. So that's right. All right. Well, this has been a great conversation. We, we could probably cut it off there. I think we got more than enough. Great, great points. Great, great discussion. Leadership is a key to all this. This is why you've gravitated that way. That's where I feel like, you know, we could go write more LinkedIn posts or more books on the tactics that you use to do business reviews and segment customers and map the customer journey. But the real work in customer success is in leading people. Yep leading from a position that you don't actually have all the control. Right. And that's just that, that is the, I think the, the, the big missing piece of the customer success puzzle, even still to this day that we need to solve for. I agree. And Jay, I want to give the GGR listeners a free downloadable digital copy of my best-selling book, 30 day leadership playbook. Just go to 3030dayleadership.com forward slash book and pillar number three, in the leadership playbook is all about what's called leading with communication. And that is the core foundational elements of what we've been talking about today and how to effectively communicate your value and your team's value to anybody. So if you are interested in this, get a copy of the book, go to pillar number three and go deep on that. And if you want some help, hook up with me and tell me you need some help. And I'd be glad to help you because that's my job is to help CS leaders <laughs> establish themselves, build their organizations and, you know, show up in the way that they want to show up in their organization. Love it, dude. Great resource. Where, where can people get in touch with you? You want to give them your email address or? Yeah, absolutely. Just LinkedIn. hit me up at nils, N-I-L-S at 3030dayleadership.com. And then again, 30dayleadership.com forward slash book, free digital copy. I'll send it to you right away. Just drop your name and email in there and go straight to pillar three if you're interested in how to communicate your value as a CS leader. Sweet. All right, man. Great to, cool. great to see you. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for Good doing chat. this. Cheers. Talk soon. Hey everybody, Jay here. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You know, this started as a labor of love for Jeff and I a couple of years ago, and it's really turned into a movement around customer success and community, and we couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. Um, we grow this by word of mouth, so we'd, we'd love it if you're willing and you find value in what you hear on this podcast. Leave us a rating or a review on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'll help us grow and, and provide value to more customer success professionals. Also, if you haven't yet, please sign up for Gain, Grow, Retain, the online community. It's gaingrowretain.com. You can meet other people, make one-on-one -on -one connections, share ideas, get ideas, grow your career ultimately. Um, be on the lookout also for live events, both in person and virtual this year. We're excited to get back to that. 
And thanks for being part of the community. We look forward to talking to you soon. Yeah.